This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Season 2, Transmission. This show contains adult content and strong language. over here. I have my pen. Okay. Where did I put that notebook that I had? Okay. Hello, this is Naveen Sambor recording by uh, have compact disc recorder on the 6th of February 2039 at um, 13.58 CET. To compound issues of accurate documentation, we are awaiting a call on the last rotary phone in the world. Or at least the last I could find that would still make a successful cable connection to New Delhi where... Well, that would be it, wouldn't it? Hello? Naveen? Asha? Hello? Uh, yes, uh, hello Asha. It's, uh, it's good to hear your voice. Yes, you forget each other's voices when everything is emailed. Naveen Sambor, Senior Researcher for the Ministry of Defense. (laughs) (laughs) My old default signature did garner some quizzical attention when it accidentally concluded my customary holiday card. (laughs) Holiday card? From you? To whom? It's just a custom at the Ministry. Say your name and what you've discovered. What? Why? For posterity. Are you recording this? Absolutely. I try to record everything as best I can while avoiding the grid. The old wax cylinder was fun but impractical. I managed to dig up an old compact disc recorder to avoid... This is getting out of hand. I know. I know. I'm paranoid. Fine. I don't think... Hold on. Okay, we should still be secure. Where are you? Are you safe? Care about me now? (laughs) 
finally bought into my tall tales of the eldritch and espionage. <laughs> Nobody should now that I'm here. I snuck in the back door and the records hall clerk was knee-deep in some pulpy novella. <laughs> anyway, I thought you said this was all bollocks. That I was insane. Ah, uh, that's what you said I would say. What I said is what you are making me do is insane. Do you know the looks I got setting up this <laughs> ancient telephone? All right, fair enough, yeah? You found something that backs me up though, right? I found something, something that made me think of you and your research. I care. All right, then Asha Acharya, anthropologist. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. My name is Asha Acharya, writer, investigative journalist, and anthropological researcher working out of New Delhi. For the last seven months, I've been tracking down a series of correspondence originating from an isolated monastery. The exact location is difficult to ascertain. Even satellite mapping proved insufficient. Isolated monastery? Asha, you made it seem as if this would blow everything open. I thought this was real evidence. It is real evidence. I'm studying electromagnetic phenomena and anomalies. Radio messages, gamma spikes, not dharma and auras. Ah, uh, I would not bring you false hope. Fairy tales have real-life application. Religious texts have historical context. I don't come bearing a data set, but it does not mean it isn't what you're seeking. Oh, no? No, Namin. If you have failed so far to find what you are looking for, this does not mean it is not there. It means you are looking in the wrong place with the wrong eyes. I offer only ever to open doors. Walking through them is your business. Well, fair enough. You're right. No stone unturned. I haven't bothered to plunder any church catacombs in this endeavor. What are these correspondences then? The first of these was brought to my attention by an associate working out of Istanbul. I was conferring with Arela on a research project about the migration away from cities and mentioned your work. You talked about me? Only in passing. Not by name. No. Good. What about your friend then? She was of the opinion that the primary drive of Gauta urbanization was deprivation of self-production due to environmental unsustainability. In short, People wishing to self-sustain cannot produce in urban settings amongst the increasing pollution. She would like to keep focus on the environmental. She would. She's an environmental scientist. But why? To take politicians and their masses to task for their part in an unraveling biosphere. You disagreed? <laughs> Not at all. But I wanted to be comprehensive. My goals are to find all the answers, not simply play pin the tail on the politician. You would. You're an anthropologist. And journalist. Anyway, I cited several other motivating factors. Climate change, integrative spread, golden age delusions. And I said, I even have a friend who theorizes these increasing problems with technology that scare people away from urban centers are the work of some organization or entity that controls EM waves. I wish you had not. Wished it or not, it was this that gave my associate pause. She said, what do you mean by entity? A sort of ghost in the machine, I said. Mercy, how crazy did she think I was? 
She's likely to think I'm one of those Iris conspiracy wackadoos. What did she say? She said, how about a being of light? What does that mean? She said it was easier to let someone else explain and message me a photo of a handwritten letter she had received from a secluded sanctuary. One where the isolated monks seek enlightenment. One of these holy men have documented through letters an extended interaction with a ghost or divine entity of sorts. Okay, okay. Really, I appreciate whatever you're trying to do, but I really thought this was about something serious. You made it seem like this was going to break my case wide open, not be one of your come-to-Jesus stories. I'm running a serious project here. Naveen, it's time to stop being an asshole. I've not misled you, and I do not come to Jesus. Well, well then... What is it? I will read it to you, and you will understand. Don't hold up on my account. <clears throat> it begins. One called Arela from a Greek... One called Arela... It's the salutation. I'm translating Nepali, written by an isolated person who probably barely speaks aloud. I'm afraid you'll have to exercise some patience to the Eastern world. I didn't say anything. You did. I did. Please, go on. One called Arela. From a great distance of time and space, a call comes from your mind so admired. Here in the sanctum, an unusual visitor has arrived. A student of light, another, and, this is just a guess, but, another earthling has come to the sanctuary seeking. Once at the great university, one called Arela told of the great lights in the northern and southern skies, the Aurora Borealis. Such beauty could not be forgotten. When the other came seeking in the guise of a column of folding light, green robes rippling on the line, some fled, but there was no reason to flee. The visitor required no food nor tea, but stayed long for meditation, leaving only when the last flames extinguished. Many days has the others come to seek. From the flaming of crimson, the other wishes more, but cannot speak or speaks with the light. One called Arela, who taught of the Aurora, is their way to communicate to the student of light. Holy fuck. This is all in the Widecast Net reports. All over the world, people going on about angels and pillars of light figured it was mental Bible thumpers at first, but it just got too consistent. Asha, hold on. Is there anyone around you? Just the usual bullpen employees. Nobody out of the ordinary? Nobody listening to you? Anybody asking after you? Everything is normal here. Are you in trouble or something? It's probably nothing. There's just been some men around. It's nothing. Just keep this stuff to yourself, yeah? Discretion is my profession. Who is this holy man? He gives no name, but my colleague remembers him very well. 
Were they close? No, but he was apparently quite memorable. A very gifted and curious person. She said he was eccentric and engaging and oh, what would uh, he had um, Satan to you? Afraid my Turkish is a bit rusty. He was very charming. Ugh, it's not a traceable connection. Just luck of attraction. Every one of your eggs is in that data research basket. It will never cease to amaze me. Where else should they be? Where there might be a signature, there's a mark that my research associate surmises is the symbol of the monk's sanctuary. My colleague in Turkey has never been there, but there was a message on the envelope written by someone else about how to send a return letter. This friend of yours... What did she write back? Obviously, she didn't still have her return letters. She didn't make copies? Why would she make copies? I would. Naveen, you reroute your emails through a Korean IP address and added a padlock to your hostel door. Point taken. She told me that she has no idea what he could be talking about. She remembered the part of the course she taught that included Aurora Borealis. It was within a natural science course on geomagnetism. Yes, yes. Ahem. She sent him back a gloss of those notes. Essentially, that auroras occur at the poles where the magnetic flow of the Earth is returning closer to the surface, allowing solar radiation to come closer to the planet. As a result, the atmospheric gases fluoresce vibrantly, energized by the radiation. And how did she answer his question? His question on how to communicate with an Aurora Borealis? The student of light. Aha! <laughs> to think I'd live to see the day when Naveen Sambor would posit to me the possibility of something so outlandish. This is not a revelation of spiritual enlightenment. I'm willing to accept the outre only now that Occam's razor has been so thoroughly dulled. Accurate explanations are always the simplest. It's your scope of reality that complicates them. Or lack of scope. That was my implication. Did your colleagues have answers for him or not? She hypothesized that any such anomaly would be caused by an aberration in the magnetic field, citing that aurora-like phenomena have been observed around equipment-dampening magnetic fields at altitude. And... If indeed a will could purposely manipulate electromagnetic waves, it would not be able to hear, but it might be able to see in some way, and that infrared in some form of heat, varying fluorescence, or a simple manipulation of magnetic substances might be its native tongue. Hmm. Did she say if he did manage to communicate with the entity? No. That's where I took up the trail. I had a contact trace the letters back to their office of origin. It is not the type of place where people are forthcoming, but apparently, with the right amount of palm greasing, he learned enough. Were they able to visit the monk? No. No one would say who brought or collected the letters. They would say what the letters were sent to and arrived from, though. With this information, I was able to track and collect many more of the monk's correspondence. Almost all were to lecturers or academics connected to the monk's wide course of studies. 
It sometimes took coercion, but many shared out of pure puzzlement. So bizarre and out of nowhere were these missives. I've collected a few. Some were mere esoteric queries, but some very grand questions. About what? Asha? Asha? Yes, that's fine, Aranza. What was that? Aranza from the copy room delivering some prints. Uh, are they suspicious? Aranza. From the copy room? <laughs> I suppose she's a bit chipper for someone who works in the copy room, but that's hardly... Uh, whatever. You were talking about... Ah. The further correspondence. Some of the first were a small collection that went out to an astronomer, mathematics professor, a chemist, and one gastronomist. Gastronomist? Like a bourgeois foodie? More specifically, a chef working out of Paris. These were all pretty much boilerplate letters except for the niceties. They all included this phrase. There was one called Blue 52, the loneliest whale. So called for this song was sung at a frequency understood by no other whale. Perhaps the wandering other listened to all but spoke as the whale. To hear is a matter of listening correctly. Who is this monk? My associate in Istanbul said he was a student at the university she lectured at for some time. After a little digging, I procured his records there. It looks like he took just about every class they offered and it was not the only school he attended. He transferred there and he transferred to another school after. Both places, he took a wide breadth of courses. Biology to neurosciences to women's studies. A quest for knowledge. Mm -hmm, it would seem. One that resumed some three years ago. Did he succeed in learning to listen? Mm, very much so. There are some hints in his thank you letters and he detailed his process pretty significantly in two messages to other holy men. Let's see. Ah. The spare compass of the shepherd man who brings milk and fleece was the first translator. When the other wandering appeared for meditation, they waited long, watching. When meditation ended, the compass was placed before them. The needle spun as a water wheel with great excitement without direction. Around the compass was placed a singing bowl for the ears, a cup of tea to taste or trouble, a candle to see or burn. Wandering as the other, the needle swayed but alighted eastward to the flaming beeswax. The flame became a second translator. Gathered from the mountain ores, Spring-fed shores, herbs and plants, an alphabet of hues and glows was written. The wandering other has great patience for learning. The shepherd's children, delighted in their speech that burst and flashed their questions through the valley. Many thanks to the one called Chef Savi. You've got to be kidding me. Controlling infrared heat as in your oven was most successful. Your point that food is more important as a symbol of sustenance and sharing was most helpful in providing hospitality to the seeking guest. Well, thank goodness for that. Why not try and feed it? Food is a universal language. Or was. Uh, perhaps he found the appropriate facsimile. They essentially created an entire language together. But why is he trying so hard? 
the man avoiding magnets and talking to me on a rotary phone says this to me. Point taken. But why does he care about it so much? What do you mean? Why is he so invested in communicating with this entity? What's to be gained on his path to enlightenment by helping this thing? Naveen, you would help if a stranger showed up at your door seeking guidance. When my father died our freshman year, you were the only one I knew at school whom had lost a parent. I showed up a mess at your little room and you sat with me all night. With nothing to say. Something said was not what was needed. Don't be obtuse. Uh, there's a difference between helping a stranger and helping a roving wavelength. Perhaps not to the monk. And even so, can you imagine the curiosity? To speak to an angel or alien, anything that isn't us. Something that has a completely different view of the world. How could that not intrigue someone? Even someone trying to make themselves one with nothing? You're the one being obtuse now. There are a series of letters to a theologian in Tubingen dated quite a bit more recently that might shed some, well, light on the situation. Oh, Yar, what did he want to know from a theologian? He goes about explaining to the theologian basically what he told my associate. That there's a form made of light that spends time in his sanctum. Yes. His questions are mostly finer points on the origin of religion. But he does ask if people ever sometimes think they are a god. Oh my god, you don't think this thing thinks it is god. Is that really so vain? It's not a matter of vanity, it's a matter of hubris. People playing at god usually wind up blowing themselves up, along with everyone else. Are you concerned this will happen? Bloody well right I'm concerned. When it was just a bunch of anomalies, I was concerned. Now I'm terror-stricken. You don't get it, Asha. Then tell me. This thing is not just a light in the air. It's, it's something science doesn't have a word for. Believe me, I've uttered the word anomalous so many times in the last year. I'm saying it in my sleep. In simplest terms, it's in the EM spectrum. It's a part of it. Controlling it. Perceiving through it. This isn't the first time it's contacted someone, I think. It just covers its tracks really well or something. I don't know. I do know its fingerprints. It goes anywhere it can think of to get information. The Hague's entire archive of untranscribed cassette recordings wiped in a blank. Centuries worth of satellite and Bluetooth and radio transmissions marked with its signature interference. I don't know what it wants specifically. All I do know is that there is a path of horrors in its wake, and it's growing, evolving, for the better part of the past two decades. This used to just be a radio wave occurrence. Now it's light. The spectrum goes on forever in either direction, Asha. And we are fast approaching the paths that kill people. You don't need to be made of light to kill people any more than you have to be human to understand how not to. What? Why is the student of light there? This consciousness that can traverse the world in a blink, access any resource it wants, why does it spend its time meditating in the Himalayas? Why would you visit a monk in the mountains? I wouldn't. Exactly. You and your quarry are the same, except when it couldn't find the answers, it went to the place it had never looked. And 
here you are now, following in its footsteps to an isolated advisor. It's looking for perspective. You say it leaves a trail of terrors. Maybe you miss the good it's done. Oh, please. Are you likely to pay attention to a good deed? To kindly act? No, that is not data. The news does not report on the compassionate. No one registers positive outcomes. Decency is perceived as neutral. I know. These are the things I study. Those are not the things that concern me. Ah, yes. And that is very sad. I think what you are really looking for lies in this letter my contact in America found floating around in an undeliverable mail bin in Gilbert, Arizona. What is Gilbert, Arizona? A southwestern city in the United States. Yes, but what shrine or university or famous bloody restaurant? It was once called the hay shipping capital of the world. How is that germane to magnetic ghosts? It's not. <laughs> it's just a dead end. Hmm? The address it was sent to doesn't exist. And it's so beat up and coffee stained that you can only read the last few paragraphs. You can make out a bit of the first line. It reads... The first something, something to seek, probably just another recap, and a word which isn't Nepali at all, koan. What does that mean? It's a Zen term. To oversimplify, it means paradox or great doubt. And that can't be good. It picks up mid-sentence where it can be read again. And the wanderer asked, Have you ever loved? There is no love. Only closeness to peace. The student of light often asked questions about peace and its acquisition, seldom of things closer to themselves. Now, the conversation brooked many such topics. The wanderer glowing ever hotter with frustrations, the answers being so simple, and the wanderer's pain being so hard. How do you stop pain? You cannot stop pain can only let go of pain. Am I the Lord? There is no Lord. How is there no Lord? There is no thing. It goes on like this for a while, sort of a damn burst of rapid-fire questions. The entity becomes fastuous, then very angry. Here the monk starts describing what is happening around them. With passing vexation, the wanderer tore at the air between questions. Long, cold tea steamed and bubbled nearby. The herds and animals of the valley were troubled. Not liking the truth, again they asked. Then what point am I to make of myself, my purpose? What becomes of all I have done? The universe is infinite and expanding. To make oneself bigger, then anything is impossible. Before existing, a person was nothing. To make oneself smaller than anything and be one with nothing has already been so it can be done again. What if I don't want to? Then you will suffer until you do. And if you outlast all else that lives, you will never find the path but persist the silent, suffering ghost the last faithless wanderer. 
the student of light grew upset by the crackling and sparkling of the air inside the hermitage. The form of the other took firmer shape, bright and terrible as the unearthly beings glassed in the windows of the great cathedrals. Bells hanging from the rafters screamed and burned like red, like angry eyes against the black sky. All things about the sanctuary melted or steamed or burned or sparked. The terrible roar and wailing of gases rushing in air, combusting and objects shrieking brought all in the valley huddled to the ground. And the moonshine on the mountains went out, for they too cowered away. Ablaze with grief and fury, the student of light approached. Sight! Bloody old phones! Oh, oh God! Come on, come on! Navi? No, it's the other person with this number. What happened? Just got disconnected. Not unusual, given. I don't like this. I don't like this. Navi, I am worried about you. This has gotten insane. I am not insane. I was tasked with finding out what these anomalies are, and I am a scientist. God damn it! I followed the data. I was skeptical as I can be, and this is the answer. Whatever this thing is, it is growing, and it's mucking up everything. And it's me that has to stop it. Stop it? it. Is that what you're so worried about? Stopping it? Yes, of course. Why? Why? Because it could bring about the apocalypse. And you believe you can stop that? I... I have to try. That seems like a very large burden for one person. Naveen, what makes you so sure this thing, whatever it may be, will make this choice? You have to expect the worst. I do not expect the worst of you. Although I have seen you make many destructive decisions. We are often most critical in others of what we see in ourselves. What is it about you that makes you feel this way about the entity in the monk's story? I have so little sympathy for the struggles of others, and I have no sympathy for myself because of it. I know I have it within myself to forgive people, to deal with respect and kindness and magnanimity, but I just don't have the compassion to do it, the energy to navigate what it means to do so. And what do you think it means to do so? It means... It means that I accept not knowing if I'm in control. It means having faith that other people, other forces have a say in what happens to the world and that my responsibility is to be a part of that. Not on the sidelines pulling the strings, but inherent. A part of the most terrifying of realities. What do you think the student of light feels about this? I have to... You choose to. I have chosen to err on the side of caution, on the side of fear. Fear of what? That if I had the power this thing has, that it might come to have, I would not still consider people worth keeping. Why did I find these letters, Naveen? Why the one person who might share them with you specifically? Why the one person who might not share them with you? Not share them with me? I have known you since we were young. 
Do you think I am so dense as to not know what these epistles might mean to you? How you could react to them? How it might tear you apart? Send you down deeper into the well in which you are drowning? No. No, I... I, I share them with you not because it is wise, but because I believe the course towards whatever may be is swiftest through knowledge. That deceit only renders hopelessness. Asha, am I a bad person? No, Naveen. I do not believe that. Am I an insane person? <laughs> I do not think an insane person worries about such things. You are as the unwell are. Confused and upset, but there is no reason to say this makes you insane so long as you find your way back from it. Thank you. What happened to the monk? Did the entity... Kill him? Yes. No, he wrote the letter, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> there is an end, however. Please, go on. Ahem. When the holocaust and cacophony of the wanderer's ire subsided, the valley stood, silent and dark. A blue as the mountain's violets shone in the sanctuary, exhausted. White sparks snatched at floorboards. Shame and sorrow seemed to hang in the air. The tools of communication were reordered. Communion resumed. The melted bells and charred prayer mats lay about. The wanderers saw before them the destruction of the anger and expanded it in their imagination. The student of light then asked its heart, If there's nothing, then why continue? The answer? Nothing and life are the same. Life continues unless it is destroyed. The wanderer asked, Then it would be well if it were destroyed. The answer? There is no way to destroy life without creating. Life would be extinguished and replaced not by nothing, but with anger and pain. Only through life can one find the path back to oneness with all. Making no reply, the seeker's light faded and was no more in the sanctuary. This is how it ends. Of all the troubles I thought this thing might have, existential dread wasn't one of them. How could it not? Uh, yes, I suppose. Naveen, what will you do now that you know these things? I suppose what I'm meant to do is to make a report and take action against this other earthling, find some way to identify, contain, and ultimately eliminate it. This is your job saying what you are meant to do. What do you say you are meant to do? There may be a, oh, inevitable glorious value in in waiting, to wait and see if its time with the monk was profitable. And which will you do? Do you capture and kill this creature because it is all that it is, or abet its existence? What do you choose? I don't know. What all this about?
Transmission, Episode 5, Anamkara, was written by Carl Gafal. Directed by Anusha Vaidya. Designed by Jennifer Overton. Episode 5 features Naveen Sambor, played by Sajid. Asha Acharya, played by Chaya Nene. Theme music by Troy Cruz. Oracle was created by Felicia Dominguez and Tracy Hoida. The production of Oracle is made possible through donations from listeners like you. If you'd like to donate, please visit our website, oraclethepodcast.com. That's A-U-R-I-C-L-E, thepodcast.com. And view the donation page to make a one-time donation. If you are a fan of our work, please subscribe and follow, like and rate us wherever you listen, or follow us on Instagram or Twitter at oracle underscore podcast. For questions or pitches, email us at oraclethepodcast at gmail. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hey Dad, I've got a question for you and it makes me really frustrated. Mikey, the stars are wrong. We jumped two and a half times farther than we were supposed to. He's not a robot, right? He's an AI. They used you, yes, but they used me worse. I want to go home. How many minutes are in a while? Ask Your Father is available anywhere you get podcasts. Find out more at gideonmedia.com.